along with every pair of feet and hands, we also get a mind, a heart, and a soul. <laughs> and so um, that's really remarkable that we get to we, we get to affect that as well. And then, you know, we try to protect them very well and, and, and provide for them very well. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Disciple Dilemma. Let's talk to a leader, a real leader, an entrepreneur who runs a business. 150 employees, Gen Z, Gen X, baby boomers all work for him. How does he operate as a disciple? How does leadership work as a disciple in a business? This guy is a speaker. This guy is a former football coach and a teacher. And now he's running a business as a follower of Christ to serve Christ. Let's listen in as we talk to Nick Westbrook in Georgia with Raymond and Dennis on the Disciple Dilemma about leadership and discipleship. How does that work together? Westbrook, we are so amped to have you on the Disciple Dilemma today to talk about leadership. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Really excited to spend some time with you guys and uh, and just talk about leadership and all that we can do to um, you know to lead and 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 help those around us become better disciples. And Raymond, as always, thanks for joining us to raise the stature of this above the best I could offer, which ain't much. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. It's always it's always a lot of fun. It's really fun to really grapple with who we ought to be and what we ought to do. Nick is an entrepreneur. Um, in conversations we've had before the podcast started, you've got somewhere in the neighborhood of about 150 employees working for you. Is that right? Yes, that's right. About 150 employees that range all the way from 14 years old to now about 72 years old. So that puts you in the top 2% of employers in America, if you think about that. 33 million businesses inhabit America. 23,000 of them are big businesses, but only the top 2% have more than 100 employees. So as an entrepreneur, what I'm really interested in is why are you, as a guy who is running a business, really interested in leadership going into the people that work for you? Aren't you just training these people to bail on you when you do that? <laughs> well, you know, leadership, you know, John Maxwell says that everything rises and falls on leadership. And if, if we can, if I can multiply my mindset and multiply our vision and multiply our purpose and our core values amongst these other leaders and teach them to do that amongst the rest of our team members and to continue to create more leaders, um, it's, it's probably the, the, the best use of our time and investment is to grow and develop leaders in our organization. How do you balance trying to have a service mentality and being other oriented and still make the product and make money? Yeah, well, you know, um, you know, I think the greatest thing that we can do in our life is is to serve others. I don't think that we're put here for for us. I think that we're put here, you know, to be in service to others. And 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 so, you know, it's what we try to say in our organization is that we're trying to build a place where people that love to serve others love where they get to come serve others. And, and so that's, that's the first thing that we try to do is just select people that love to serve other people. You can't really be in business with us and do what we do unless you love serving other people and really, and, and that really be the thing that gets you excited every day. The most exciting times that we've had in our life 
are not things that we did on our own for ourselves. The, you know, most of the, the most exciting things that we've ever done um, and the things that we get the most fulfillment from are things that we've done with others for others. Is it difficult to find those people? And do you have any efforts on your part to convert people who may be open to becoming that person? Um, when you talk about difficult, when you look upon the masses of people that the majority just want to clock in, clock out and go home. Um, if, if, if we really narrow our focus and our questioning um, and our recruitment and looking in the places where most of those type of people reside um, and where they do life and where they go to school and, and, and what they do at their spare time. If we look in those places, we typically find the right type of people that love to serve others. And then, you know, as we taper our questioning, um, you know, you really get to the heart of the matter with, with, with a lot of people pretty quickly Here's where we're going to really exploit you, Nick, because with these 150 employees, you got a bunch of Gen Zs in there, 25 and below, working for you. Now, if you look at the Wall Street Journal, you look at Harvard Business Review, you look at the New York Times, they're saying boomers and millennials do not understand Generation Z at all. We don't know what makes them tick. So, Nick, we need you to unpack this for us. How do you make them tick? How do you as a leader make the Gen Zs tick brother and what's going on in their heads we wait for your yeah. answers they are they are a special group of people that is for sure and they are very different than than me i'm a i'm a i'm a gen xer myself and um and they are much different than my generation but what i've found is that more than anything you know they want to work they want to do something that's purposeful they want they don't just want to um, make money. They would actually accept less money for a more purposeful um, position or a more purposeful job. So they want to connect the dots between the time that they have. They're an awesome generation. Um, they're very, very different, and they operate very differently than than the boomers and 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 my Gen X crowd. But um, but if you can connect the dots, you can really ignite some fuel. And, and a very energetic generation. So what are the differences? What's unique about them? What, what sort of are some of the characteristics that if you understood that, you could communicate with them and communicate the, uh, the vocational aspects of our faith that basically everything you do is for Christ and, and it's really important in that sense. It's not just your time at church. Sure. Yeah. Well, the first and most distinct difference in this generation and, and especially my Gen Xers and, and, and boomers is that they desperately want to be connected. I mean, desperately want to be connected um, personally to other people um, that, you know, my, my Gen X crowd, you know, we we can we can be loners, you know, you know, the boomers can be can be loners to an extent. Um, you know, this crowd does not want to be by themselves. They they want to be connected to other people. And you would think that, you know, with our with the social media that they are they have so much access to, um, their actual the social media makes them more disconnected and not connected. So they actually need more personal connection and they're desperately looking for you know some personal relationships that that are meaningful to them. Um, and, and, and they go to many different links to be able to, to have it because, you know, those, I mean, the social media connections are, are, 
you know, they're, they're shallow and they're not real. And, and they know that they feel that they sense that. Tell me um, a little bit about the way you recruit these people. And let me, let me put a little cynical spin on it for just a second. Okay. So here I've got this Christian entrepreneur. So surely Nick, you're out there proselytizing and you've got some sort of filtration test to weed out anybody who doesn't think like, you do. How do you hire people? The first litmus test in there is recruiting and selecting people that love to serve others. We're looking for people that are that are connected, you know, to to purposes that serve other people, right? So, for instance, you know, when you know we have we have a lot of high schoolers and college students that work for us. Um, I'm I'm want to I want to hear about somebody that has other things going on that they're doing for other people. Who are the people around you that are that are really focused on making the lives around them better? And um and and we go after those folks. Every single person you bring into your organization is either improving your culture or diminishing your culture. There there is no static. They are either improving it or they are diminishing it. And so it's really a gamble. Every single person that we invest in to come be a part of us. And, and you know, we don't want to bring anybody into our organization that's going to in any way diminish our culture whatsoever. So we got to do our due diligence on the front end to make sure that that, that doesn't happen. Alan Fadling from Unhurried Living, former pastor, and uh, he's a consultant says that Generation Z is the most anxious, anxiety-ridden generation that we've seen both sides of our lifetime, right? When you think about going back in generations prior and as we look forward, so much different than the generation that was alive during World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, and so on, anxiousness. Do you see anxiousness among the people that you work with, Nick? I go back to connection. The reason that they want and are seeking connection is because they are desperately disconnected. Even though they have more, you know, superficial connections on social media and all these different ways, they've never been a, a generation, I don't think, that's more personally disconnected from, from real people um, than this generation. And so that creates so much, um, so much anxiety. Um, in them. And, and so, yeah, we, we definitely see that and deal with that, try to meet it head on and try to meet it, you know, try to meet it biblically um, more than just, you know, more than just, you know, relationally, we really try to meet that head on uh, with some professionally trained people that can really speak into that for them. And then at the same time, trying to train our leaders in a way to, to shepherd them well, in a way that, um, that, that, that makes them feel the opposite of anxiety is peace. Culture. What is the culture that you're trying to establish and how do you do that exactly, Nick? Yeah. Well, I think first we got to define culture. Culture is a man. It's this buzzword that's thrown, you know, thrown out um, by all these, you know, really smart speakers that write books and, and really culture. I used to, my first career, I was a I was a teacher and a and a football coach, and I taught science. Culture is a scientific word, right? It is a culture is a sample of an environment. It's an environment where things grow and live, or an environment where things die, and that's what a culture is. And we have stolen the word from science. And so, the culture of any group of people 
is the actions, attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors that that grow um, or die within that organization or in that group of people. So we kind of define culture as the the actions, attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors that are promoted, practiced, and permitted by everyone in the organization. So, so what what defines that culture for you guys? And if you were to explain this in a thirty second or a sixty second elevator speech, what's your culture? We're trying to create a, a culture where people that love to serve others love where they get to serve others. This is a small statement, but it's packed full of so many different implications of how how do we create an environment where people love where they get to serve other people. But your statement right there tells me what I'm supposed to do. Serve other people. How do, how do I best serve somebody in this difficult situation? Yeah, and then and then as as we walk through that and talk about well, how do we serve other people? You know, we we kind of just we define that as care, and 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 organizationally across the you know across the country, you know, we 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 want to be the world's most caring company. We're going to ask our viewers if they can guess what your actual business is. You have a business with over 100 employees. You've got small locations. And if they're able to guess what it is, they'll get a free ebook uh, for, for the Decycle Dilemma. So that's really incredible. Folks, we're talking with Nick Westbrook, who's a husband, he's a dad, he's a coach, he's a teacher, now he's an entrepreneur. And we come back, we're going to pull the curtain back and figure out where this guy actually lives and centers up his life. And then we're going to zero in on discipleship and start talking about how does this leadership thing fit in with this discipleship thing. So hang around for the whole thing, will you? We'll be right back. So how do you, how do you, how do you integrate vocation, the fact that I'm working for you with the fact that I'm really serving Christ and working for you? And how do you see that as a discipleship responsibility, you as a disciple, being a disciple, and then you mm-hmm. making disciples as you collaborate with your peers and your teammates. I really see leadership as a believer as, you know, we've got to be servant leaders. You mentioned that in the last segment for sure. Um, but I believe if we have people entrusted to us, then then we're really called to be to be shepherds and shepherd them very well. And, and so we kind of we we teach that that shepherd leadership model um, to our leaders and and really in this discipleship form, um, you know, want them to be able to spend one on one time with people to connect and know them very well to know the people that that are entrusted to them. Sure. So that means you got to spend time with them. You got to have presence. You got to you got to know where they're from, what kind of background that they're from that's that's bringing them to this this place of employment and what they're bringing to this environment. Um you got to know their personality. Um, you, you got to know so many different things about them to be able to lead them well. And then you got to guide them. You got to be able to provide um, this guidance for them uh, for what, for one, what they need to do in the business, but also like you mentioned with life, you know, what these, with so much of these, um, the counselors and the, the, um, the chaplains are bringing to this is, and what we get to do is, is, is to provide some life advice. People are not just coming in, tr- like you said, transactionally and just clocking in, you know, we, we get, a along with every pair of feet and hands, we also get a mind, a heart and a soul. <laughs> and so, um, that's really remarkable that we get to, we, we get to affect that 
as well. And then, you know, we try to protect them very well and, and, and provide for them very well in the same way that, that a shepherd would. So, you know, as, as we get to do that and they, our team members get to feel the, the love that comes from our leaders, um, and, and the form of this, the shepherding them in a way that they've probably never been led, led before. In most instances, they've probably been dictated to, barked at, or managed as opposed to this man, they've been shepherded and really loved and cared for. It's just completely different. Um, and, and, and has this, this effect on people that really, really wants them to, you know, they want to grow. Wow. Holy mackerel. Holy mackerel. Okay. So Nick, the next time I'm in Hinesville, I want to invite you, I'm going to take you out. I want to buy you a milkshake and a chicken sandwich at the local Chick-fil-A because I, I am just absolutely stunned at what you just said. And I think Raymond's got the same reaction. I was kind of noticing his body language too. How infrequently we hear anybody talking about the individual human being being discipled by the people who are around them as their mentors, knowing who that person is as an individual, helping that person rise up out of simply being what they were to what they are called to be. Oh my gosh, I want to cry, bro. This is absolutely stunning what you've just said. And it's absolutely lost on so much of contemporary Western Christianity. This idea of an individual walking alongside another individual. Go, brother, go. That's cool. What do you think, Ray? It's absolutely key in our our thing of making friends is that you actually get to know those people and have a personal relationship. You know how many kids they have, you know, you know what they do for fun, you know whether they've been in Boy Scouts, all of that stuff. So I was just blown away. And I was going to ask you the question, is that is that an accurate, fair reading of your business strategy in terms of management? Is that you want that you want your employees to really grow in such a way that they really multiply what you can what you're able to do? We we take Psalm 23, right? It's really wild. We think this 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 six verse poem was meant for the back of a of a funeral pamphlet and eulogy and it's not right it's 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 actually a blueprint for how we're supposed to if we're if we're supposed to be christ-like right that's what we're supposed to be is christ-like well well christ was the good shepherd right and this this is david pouring his heart back to god telling him just thanking him for how god showed him how to be the shepherd king of israel and the very first thing he says is the lord is my shepherd i shall not want Right. That that God that God provided him. He knew everything that David needed from the time that he was a shepherd boy coming up through um, everything that he experienced. And he's sitting here in this moment just thanking God for the way that he shepherded him. And so if if we're going to shepherd and disciple people that have been entrusted to us, man, are they are they going to be able to say that, you know, are my daughters going to be able to say of me um, you know, man, Nick was my dad. I I didn't need another father figure. You know, um, you know, he showed me he showed me what what the relationship with my father was supposed to be like. Um, with the people that work for me, the leaders that work for me, that says, man, Nick was Nick was my operator. You know, I I I, I, I did not lack a good leader. Um, 
and someone that, that guided me and knew me and provided for me. Um, there's so many instances that that I have and you probably have with people that we've worked for before. It says, man, I was so lacking in a leader, right? Well, that's not what our people need to be able to say of a Christian leader, period. Right. You know, I mean, we, we, we've we got to take that responsibility on our back. Leadership is not... It's not a reward for a job well done. It is a responsibility that we have to care for those entrusted to us. You know, I was, I was reading this great book, The Disciple Dilemma, um, where you guys talked about you guys talked about um, this example of mass mutual being have having the highest turnover, right? This unbelievable turnover in their company, and and they they pointed out the five things that created such incredible turnover and 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 this is this is what this is what it said there you know the managers take little or no responsibility for personally mentoring and developing new individuals new hires are left in the dark about the bigger picture um, they had no comprehension of the corporate mission the employees felt alone um, I mean it this is where we get to enter in as believers and really engage and care for people um, in the same way that that we would on on you know in in the church. But man, we get to do it outside the walls of the church in this mission field every day and what the Lord has called us to in our vocation, right? And and it's really it's an it's an awesome responsibility. It's a lot of fun. Nick Westbrook, thank you for. Uh your ministry, and some really terrific food. My pleasure. We are really grateful you came on with us today. And I would just ask, um, you've got some conversations going on in the marketplace centered around your ideas of leadership, discipleship, being a coach. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah, well, I've got a, uh, we have a podcast out. It's the Shepherd Leadership Podcast. So it just started. So please give us some grace with that. We're learning how learning how to navigate that deal. So I'm learning from you guys. I appreciate that. And then um and then I'm on LinkedIn and you can just follow me there on LinkedIn and and I'm, I post a lot of content there about about how to shepherd and lead others uh well and how to how to do that from a faith-driven biblical mindset. But first of all, of course, tell us what your company is. <laughs> yeah, so we get the privilege and honor. I get the privilege and honor of stewarding a Chick-fil-A franchise in Hinesville, Georgia. So we've got a singular Chick-fil-A franchise in, in, in Hinesville, which is about an hour southwest of Savannah, Georgia. And, uh, and we also have a, a very unique Chick-fil-A food truck that we take to communities uh, about a 45-minute radius outside of our small community to small towns that do not have a Chick-fil-A and probably will never have a Chick-fil-A. And so we cook Chick-fil-A sandwiches and waffle fries and nuggets on that truck and take it to those small little caution-light towns in South Georgia and create smiles and my pleasures um, all, all around our little South Georgia community. So it's a lot of fun. Great. And you're getting a chance to talk with some people about this as well. This isn't just simply inside the doors of Chick-fil-A, right? You're talking to some other people about this. I'm, you know, able to go out and speak to different to different organizations and groups of leaders about about how to lead their organizations well. So other than walking in your store at Hinesville, Georgia, and asking you to come speak to a group, if people want to reach you, LinkedIn's the right way to go. 
LinkedIn. Um, my, I have a website, nickwestbrookspeaks.com. Uh, you can go there and, and find out different different things that we get to talk about and 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 then schedule some opportunities for, for me to come talk to your group. We'd love to be able to do that. Raven, thanks for being with us today and making this thing work. Great fun. I'm really impressed with Nick. Uh, he, he's making stuff. So that, that, that really is right. yeah. Making some chicken sandwiches. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cold, heartless statement by a manufacturing engineer. I'm really grateful you're working with human beings, Nick, and you're really making that work out. You've been listening to a terrific example of how disciples make disciples and how leaders lead people with Nick Westbrook, an entrepreneur an operator of Chick-fil-A in Hinesville, Georgia. Fantastic session. Help us get the word out that discipleship has been hacked in America. So different than the models that we were hearing from Nick today. Help us by following us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn. It doesn't cost anything and it helps us get the word out. Discipleship's been hacked. And as always, thanks for listening.